Welcome, everybody. Good to have you back with us again for this Sermon Recap podcast. So cool to be with Greg and Matt talking about the weekend. We had a fun weekend uh, in verse 13 of Psalms 91. We're really going to finish it up next week, but this has been a cool week. I wanted to stop and just take one verse. There was a lot packed in there, so it was good. I I hope it was good anyway. What you guys think? You better think it was good, I guess. I thought it was special. <laughs> it was special. It was special. It was a special throw in there. Uh, no, good, good weekend. Good spirit in the room. Um, man, it seems like that's been the case for the last uh, several weeks uh, as we've been walking our way through Psalm ninety-one. And uh, this week was no different. Uh, camping out on verse thirteen, talking about the serpent and treading over his head or treading on his head. So it was good. Yeah. Good job with that. Thank you. Um, starting out talking about snakes. Appreciated your snake story at uh, at six years old. Uh, Fun fact: uh-oh. people may not know this. Uh-oh. The very bike that I was riding when I rode over that snake, I just gave to Pastor Alex, and his little girl has it now. Does she know that? <laughs> I don't know. She does now. <laughs> that very bike is at Pastor Alex's house right now. Well, hopefully she uh, learns to stay away from the snakes while she's on the bike instead of dropping the bike and running away. Maybe she learned something from yesterday. <laughs> now, it's a real thing. That uh, happened, and uh, I can take you to the spot. That yeah. Was, uh, I think a lot of people have those uh, have have a, a snake story or something like that that they can that they can relate to on on some level. Did you have anybody come up and share any kind of story, uh, their own snake story or anything like that? Tons, tons of them. Tons. Yeah. Uh, one time I was talking to, uh, about a snake story and I had a uh, I had a teenage girl come up to me and tell me I don't know why you're so scared of snakes. I have like three of them as pets. Um, which has never which has never seemed like a good idea to me to ever have a snake in your house as a pet. It's a horrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, I'm not going to house, I'm not coming to your house if you have snakes in there. There's something really almost there's just some primal thing between humans and snakes. Right. And I think it goes back to Genesis three. We talked about the uh Proto Evangelium yesterday that you know, God said, I will put enmity between your seed and her seed. It's like there's this discomfort between both of them. Yep. You know, it's like snakes don't like us and we don't like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get near them, there's an issue going on. Right. And uh, there's just something there. And that carries over into obviously our, uh, you know, our, our, our spiritual life as well. Not it just a, a, a physical snake that is there, but also just the idea of our spiritual enemy. You made that line right there that, you know, you see them, you stay away from them. There's trouble there. Uh, that obviously is very relatable to our to our spiritual enemy as well. Um, before we kind of dove into that part, you made this statement here, kind of, you know, what is a, what is a snake doing in my in my secret place? Kind of threw that out there, and you made this statement said the secret place doesn't keep you out of battles. It keeps you as you walk through them. Um, I thought that was really powerful. Kind of a as a common theme that's felt like over the last several weeks too is to remind us that the secret place doesn't prevent us from having to go through tough times or doesn't prevent us from having to go through troubles. It's just that reminder that as you walk through those tough times, hey, God's got you. You're you know you can remain in the secret place. You can be strengthened. You can be encouraged, and you're going to be taken care of as you walk through those battles. Yeah, it didn't keep Jesus out of troubles. It certainly didn't keep Paul out of trouble. Didn't keep Peter out of trouble. The New Testament saints, it didn't save them from trouble. Uh, we talked about it, I think, last time. There's this idea that, that the gospel and walking with Jesus is a is a prescription or a framework for having a very comfortable life, and it's just not. That's just not the case. 
you're going to have a tough struggle from time to time, but the secret place actually goes with you. Mm. You know, that's the thing. You carry that refuge with you. Uh, beyond it just being a place you go to, the place goes with you. You know, when you're when you're there in that settled place with God, peace is with you wherever you go. Mm. That's good. That's really good. I think that, and I don't, I don't know that you touched on it um, over the weekend, but I'm curious if there's more to dive into in it. Because like the second half of 13, he says, um, the young lion and serpent, you'll tread under your feet. And I just wonder how much power there really is. And I think we think a lot about the big, the big issues, the big lion, the big cobra, you know, but like, what is the, I mean, what is the implication there like why did he say young you know what i mean like to me i think of like these little things are creeping in and you're like man it's okay like that's where my brain kind of went with it but i'm curious if you had any thoughts on like what does it look like to deal with with a young lion and serpent no i got nothing nothing. (laughs) (laughs) wow well i'm like well, you let us down this, really hoping I had something. I'm like, uh-oh, the pressure's on. No, I think, seriously, the, the young lion part of it, we didn't touch on it yesterday, what he meant by the young lion. And I didn't research that very deeply. I had so much to say in a short time that I didn't dive into that. Uh, but it's not just, uh, I was thinking in terms, it's not an old aging lion with no teeth. It's a young lion who could really do you some damage, even maybe a lion cub. I don't know. That's a good thought, though. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It really is that uh, doesn't have to be the big overwhelming problems. It can be the smaller ones, you know. Well, I think those are the ones we don't deal with a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And then they do grow up. Uh, that is true. To become big, big lions. Would you rather, if you had to be in a room for twenty-four hours, would you rather be in the room with a lion or a cobra? <sighs> These are the two <laughs> options that I have. <laughs> yeah. I thought about that preparing this message. Oh Which gosh. one would I rather be in the room with? Is the cobra poisonous? Yes. It's just one of those like... Does the yeah. lion have teeth? Yes. <laughs> An adult, normally functioning lion and a, and a poisonous cobra. Oh, gosh. What would you What choose? do I have? That's not the question. <laughs> the question is, which would you... If you've got to be in the room with one, which do you pick? The reason I ask that is because if you have to think about it, it it's really... It says a lot about our deal with snakes. Because the lion, you have zero chance with a lion. I mean, God came in. I probably should have talked about this yesterday. God came in with Daniel in the lion's den, shut the lion's mouth. If God doesn't do that, you're dead, and you're going to get ripped limb from limb. You know what I mean? He's going to eat you alive. That's what's going to happen. But you still think about the cobra. Because, yeah, he's going to poison you, and you're going to die. But I just don't want to deal with a cobra. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. All I can think of right now is a little fluke thing. <laughs> <Make the laughs> <cobra dance. laughs> that would be. I'm like, I think I can do that. I think I can maybe pull that off. Okay, I want to be in the room with a cobra and Matt. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> but it says something about the enmity between us and serpents, you know. Yeah. A lot of people question, and, and I'm jumping off that I don't have the answer for everybody. A lot of people question, you know, was it really a serpent? Was that symbolic? All that sort of thing, you know. It, it's it's so interesting to me to think did Satan inhabit a serpent? Um, did a serpent have the ability to talk? Is there symbolism there? I'm I'm asking a question for which I don't fully know the answer. Sure, uh, but the serpent 
a lot of people believe the serpents were something different before that time because, mm-hmm. you know, part of the curse of the serpent was crawling on your belly. Right. Some uh, speculate that maybe the serpent did not do that, that the current form they're in is due to the curse of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know either. If I knew. But... <laughs> Matt led I'm me down. Those, I, I wasn't ready to so Just throw it out there. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, there can be some symbolism in the early parts of Genesis without yeah. the Bible falling apart. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. there, there are probably people listening who would argue with me about that, but um, there is some. There are some some symbolic things throughout the Scripture, for sure. You you connected the dots between you know between Genesis and Revelation, talking about a beginning and ending mm-hmm. with, with with the snake, and then uh, you know reminding us about um, his place in our lives, um, the fact that you know he he's under our feet, that you know we we, we, we get to, we get the opportunity to, to crush his head, he's beneath us, um, but then you also kind of touched on the idea too that oftentimes we give him a bigger role, a bigger place in our lives. Uh, when it comes to what we give him credit for or uh, how big we actually think that he is. Uh, let's, let's touch a little bit there on that and, and kind of what that looks like in a day-to-day life for us. You know, um, what I dwell on just becomes bigger and bigger, whatever it is. Mm. Uh, and, it, and a lot of this goes back to our thought lives, yeah. how we think about Satan. You know, and what I dwell on becomes bigger. And if I'm always thinking about problems and warfare and opposition and everything else, I make him so big, and I make the devil much more powerful than he actually is. I was in a conversation with somebody a couple months ago, I guess it was. Have you ever heard the statement, new levels, new devils? You ever heard that? People have said that. Preachers like to say stuff like that. You've heard me say it if you were listening. But uh, Not until this moment right here. <laughs> what they mean, new levels, new devils, that as you go to new levels in your growth and new levels in faith, you fight new spirits and new de- demons demonic powers come against you you know and someone uh, i was talking to somebody that had been promoted to a position you know and they were uh thinking and praying you know about how to walk through that and i, and I brought that up mm-hmm. you know you're going to face new opposition and i thought even in it i was sort of checked in my spirit by the lord right that maybe i was giving the devil a little too much time on the platform so to speak air time yeah might have been more of a i, I think more often than not, we should discount him, which is simply saying, there's an old story of the great old evangelist Smith Wigglesworth. Some of you may have heard of him. He was this great healing evangelist. He, you know, raised people from the dead. There are all kinds of things going on. And there's a story about him that one night he woke up and rolled over, and he said he had a, a vision or a sight of the devil in his room. And Wigglesworth, uh, according to the story, what he said was, I just looked at him and said, oh, it's only you, and rolled back over and went to sleep. Hmm. I don't know if that's true or not, Hmm. but that attitude should be more prevalent. And I'm not saying we should not take spiritual warfare seriously. Right. And um, I'm just kind of trying to say that, but I would say more often than not, we should be discounting all those things, hmm. taking authority over them. Right. You know, when it says, and I touched on this in some of the service yesterday, when Mark says, they shall take up serpents, it doesn't mean obviously pick up and handle them for a show or to prove your faith. The The word means pick them up, move them out of the way, take authority over them and move them out of the yeah. way. So when we encounter 
uh, spiritual forces that are against us, our authority in Christ is to pick them up and move them aside. That's good. One guy came up yesterday and told me, he said, uh, he said, I don't know where I got this, but somehow I've been taught and I've come to believe that I don't have authority over Satan in myself. And he said, now I'm realizing through Jesus Christ, I do. Yep. It's not by myself or through myself, but it's because Jesus lives in me, he's given me authority over these things. He said, I've realized that today for the first time. That's powerful. It's pretty cool. I, I don't know, I remember when in the message you talked about it, but you talked about how um, God is actually the one crushing him. Yeah. So she's at our feet to do it. Yeah. And I started that, which also, that's powerful that like, he chooses to use us to do that. But then I thought the flip of it, like, I think, I think a lot of times, again, we give the devil so much credit. And really all he's doing is the same thing. He's using us to come at ourselves. Does that make sense? And we're attacking ourselves with the thoughts. And letting, we're letting it build up and become something that it really isn't. Mm-hmm. And we end up that's very good. attacking ourselves when really God's saying, no, I've given you the power. I've given you the authority. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really good. I just want people to know that they don't have to be a victim of everything. Mm-hmm. You know? You see a lot in the culture today and the the sort of the victimization that people uh, look through a lens in life of how people have hurt them and what's gone wrong and all that kind of thing. Um, yeah, that, that mentality just leads to more and more defeat. I've never seen anyone get past it by adopting that victim mentality. And many people do that with Satan, you know, being afflicted, I'm being this and all this. And I know life's hard and we go through tough things. But I just really want to help pull people out of that and say you don't have to lie down and take this. Enough is enough. It's time to stand up. It's time to push back, you know. So I think that part of it meant something to people yesterday when we just said, you know, enough's enough. I've been battling this long enough. My family get depressed long enough. It's time for me to start pushing back. And it's time to take authority over those it situations. Is. It is. Uh, Time to take authority and and to speak God's word and God's truth over, over those situations, and to be able to do that means to come up under His authority, which is yeah. what you, mm-hmm. uh, which is what you took us to. That before we can take authority over those things, before we can take authority over our enemy, we have to come under His authority. Um, yeah. And I love the way that you you, you transitioned that into, uh, and, and I don't know the connection. I know the connection was made there that we have a secret place that we run to, but oftentimes we hold on to our own secrets and we don't bring them under His authority. Um, and how dangerous that can be um, when we when we choose not to do that. We tend to kind of hold on to those areas or hold back um, some of those secret things that we don't want to bring under his authority, how devastating they can be to our own lives. I think one of the funniest stories in the Bible that I talk about sometimes is these guys who, in the New Testament, they're called the uh, seven sons of Sceva. Mm-hmm. And they heard that Paul was, I just think it's funny. Maybe I shouldn't, but it's funny to me. They uh, heard that Paul was casting out demons out of people, you know, in Jesus' name. So there's this demon-possessed person, and they go to him, and they think, we're going to do this, yeah, you know. And uh, they go in the room, it's seven of them against one person there with a demon. And they said, uh, I think in the King James, it says, we adjure you by the Jesus Paul preaches, come out. And the demon speaks out of him and said, Jesus, I know, and I know Paul, but who are you? <laughs> right. And, and then the, de- the whoever the person is through demonic influence beats him up, and it said they left the room bleeding and naked. Yes. 
That's how, a beating right there. It's a, oh, a beat. Beat the clothes off of you. <laughs> <laughs> he beats all your clothes off of you. You, are you got whooped. <laughs> I think that's oh, so funny. But it just it's really one of the, the key biblical illustrations I know of of this point that you don't go in there with somebody else's Jesus. Yeah. And you don't go in there with somebody else's borrowed spiritual authority. You don't borrow that from people. You yeah. know, it's... Uh, you don't go in, you don't face demonic spirits without a submission to Jesus in every area. Yep. You just don't want to do that. You don't want to try to do that. You can try, but uh, you might get the clothes beat off of you. Because <laughs> we're truly... Don't want to see that. We talked about discounting the Satan. You yeah. know, we're, we're no match for him um, outside of Jesus. He is an angelic being created with, with, with power and created with some things and... We need to. There's a balance here. Yeah, let's discount him, but let's let's understand that the reason we're able to discount him is because of Jesus. Yeah, you know. I think it was. I think it was uh, Peter in his letter. He talked about how Satan roams around like a roaring lion, lion seeking whom he may devour. I mean, that's a, that's pretty powerful imagery right there to talk about. You know what his his role and his plan is, and to know that we can discount him, but it's only because of Christ. You know, that roaring lion image is pretty cool because uh, I've read this, that lions, the way they hunt is that the male roars mm -hmm. and turns the prey to the female who often does the actual killing. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, Satan's just the one roaring. Yeah, mm -hmm. He's trying to roar to turn you towards your own destruction, mm. you know. And uh, I guess the prey in that situation would do well to ignore that roar, you know, yeah. to keep moving on. Yeah. Because the roar actually turns them to death, you know. So, lot there. That is good. Mm -hmm. The, um, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I like that a lot. Yeah. That analogy. You sit down and work through these messages, and there's a hundred directions you can go, and, you know, we have a short time to do that. Right. Might be a good way to say. Might be a good uh, segue to say this too. Uh, we have uh, four services a weekend. You know, if we keep going the direction we're going, we're gonna have to have another one. People ask us often. You know, um, how do you do that in the time that you have? I tell y'all, and I'll tell the podcast audience this: um, God is completely aware of our constraints, of how many parking spaces we have, of how many seats we have of how much children's space we have. God totally understands all that we do and how hard we have to work to make all that happen for that many people in a small space. Yeah. And uh, people ask me this time, sometimes say, you know, well, how can God move in all that? For us, a move of God isn't necessarily everything going off the rails and the service breaking down to where no plans are made or anything like that. God's welcome to come into our midst at any time and do whatever he wants to do. He can move. Mm -hmm. feet. He's sovereign, and we're not going to stop God from moving. We've said it before. If he wants to come in and move and do something different, he can, and we'll just stay there all day and manage the people. But I think it's so easy to discount what he is doing in the time and in the order and in the routine. It's so easy because you just got up yesterday and said, you know, what, 44 people mm -hmm. got have been had said yes to Christ in the last just the two months this year. Yeah. 2023 so far and uh man how can you say god's not moving you know? yeah i understand it sure like okay when something goes unplanned or you know something doesn't happen um uh, 
I think sometimes we long for that diversion when God wants to move sometimes in the routine. Yep. That's not what we're talking about today, but no. it, it may be good to say there's, there's, if we had longer services, we could probably unpack a whole lot more sure. from time to time. But that's what this is about. Yep. I don't know that Joel wanted to get into a philosophical discussion of service, service times <laughs> and ministries, but here we go. Well, all right. <laughs> I love it. Well, no, I love that we, I don't know that we would have taken the time to dive into Psalm 91 and take a week to talk through one verse. If we had, you know, if we were taking longer to do a service, you know, yeah. I don't know that we would have thought, okay, let's, let's just write down verse 13 and dive into that. And I think that's been really good for us to slow down. Yeah, this is the content of that verse. Yeah, this is originally going to be like what a four, four week. week. Yeah, it's turned into seven, right? It'll be seven. Yeah, it'll be seven by the time it's all said and done. Which is cool. And another thing people might be interested in to know is that we we go into these things with plans, but I don't uh, script these things out. They don't just script out perfectly. We yeah. try to plan it, but we follow the Lord as we go. So um, I may come to these guys in a week and say guys, we were going to do this in four. It's going to take six or seven. Mm -hmm. And this week I'm just, just able to do one. As you get into it, you just see all that's there. And you know, if I try to run over too much here, I'll miss the point. Yep. Mm -hmm. So God is moving. Oh my goodness. Is he ever <laughs> oh, moving? <laughs> I mean, that's, I think, that's, in, I think that's the idea. We're in a revival. We really yep. are. And that term, since the Asbury move of God happened, I think everybody wants to latch on to revival and say, we're in revival. We're not trying to latch on to anything being done there. And we're certainly not trying to imitate or copy it because if I've learned anything, you can't reproduce something God's right. done over here. You can't try to structure yourself to make it happen. But we're seeing more people coming, more people serving, more people coming to Christ than we've ever seen before. And uh, just seeing God touch people, we're experiencing a revival. There's certainly much more that God wants to do, and He will do, but we're in the middle of something really good. Well, people are hungry, I believe. I believe people are hungry for truth. I think people are searching for answers. They are. And then uh, um, there's something, obviously, there's something that draws them to uh, to God, you know, to, to the story of the gospel and, and what Jesus has done for them and how that relates to their lives today. And uh, Psalm 91 is certainly uh, part of that story. That is that helps to answer some of those questions, and then being able to remind people as a part of that story that there is a there is a real spiritual enemy who's out there, who you know who is who who can you know distract you and, and and point you towards danger, but then there is a savior who gives who as you surrender your life to him gives you the authority to combat that spiritual enemy, mm -hmm. and and that's something that people need to hear today. They do. They need it. People come in, you just see them come in sometimes, and people get beat up by life. Yeah. It's just, you feel that. They're just so beat up by bad news and anxiety and everything else. You know, the past three years, we've just gone through so much, and I just felt like yesterday, enough's enough. This yeah. It's done. I'm done with all this, you know. Let's move on. And uh, people just come in really hurting, and, and uh, they need a place where they feel hope. And yeah. we're hearing from a lot of people that are watching online you know, it's just uh, amazing to me how uh, we're 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 hearing from people who are not physically present at Upward. Some of them have never been there. Yeah. And they're uh, I know people in other countries yeah. who are telling us I feel connected to Upward Christian Fellowship. This is my church family. That's just crazy. Yeah. It's crazy good. I mean that Absolutely. in a very good way. No, yeah. And that's part of you guys. So thanks for thanks for being a part of this. 
Thank y'all so much. Always good to be with y'all. Thanks. We don't do what we do without y'all and just want to let you know we love you. There you go. Uh, All right. I think that's probably good for today. That's great for today. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs>